Good morning, everyone. I suggest that, as so often, we start in prayer, seeking God's help in understanding his word. So let's pray. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit to illuminate your word so that we would understand more about the ministry of Jesus. And as we do so, have a fuller appreciation of your grace and respond as you want us to. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at what happened after Jesus's dispute with the Pharisees about cleanliness that we heard about last week. And in order to do that, it's worthwhile spending a few minutes looking at the context of the events we're going to be thinking about. Apart from a brief period at the start of his ministry following his baptism, Jesus's ministry to this point had mainly been in Galilee. That's the area about 50 to 80 miles north of Jerusalem. What he'd done is he'd gone from village to village and town to town, teaching and healing people, and he'd attracted large crowds. But nonetheless, things were not going well. First of all, his miracles were signs, signs of who he is. Uh, but even his closest disciples had not understood them. You may recall that a couple of weeks ago, we thought about the feeding of the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes. That was a sign about who he was. Uh, and then subsequently, we heard about him walking on water. Another sign. When Mark recorded that incident about Jesus walking on water, he, he commented that the uh, disciples were both terrified initially and then amazed. And he said tellingly that they were amazed because they had not understood the significance of the loaves. In other words, if they had understood the significance of the feeding of the 5,000. They'd have understood who Jesus was and they wouldn't have been surprised that he walked on water. After all, who is it that supernaturally provides food for his people? He's, of course, the one who one would expect to be able to walk upon water. More seriously, a number of people were beginning to reject Jesus. In particular, he was rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. The problem was not uh, his ethical teaching or his miracles, at least not primarily so. No, the problem was the way he set himself apart from other people and indeed above them. The absolute authority that he claimed for himself and the allegiance that he demanded that people give him, that offended people. And of course, it still does. In addition, the authorities were beginning to take an interest in him. He had come to the notice of Herod, which wasn't necessarily a good thing, bearing in mind that Herod had murdered John the Baptist. And more seriously, uh, the Pharisees and other le religious leaders in Jerusalem were taking notice of him and turning hostile. So overall, the position was that uh, whilst there was a great deal of enthusiasm and certainly amazement at his miracles, few people understood them and even more were rejecting him. So with that in mind, let's turn to our reading for today. And that's from Mark chapter 7. Uh, I'm going to be reading from verse 24. If you have Bibles handy, it would be worth having it open in front of you. As I say, Mark 7 
beginning at verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and didn't want anyone to know of it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about it, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so we're told that Jesus went from Galilee to the vicinity of Tyre. That was about 30 miles northwest of the Sea of Galilee. But more significantly, it meant that Jesus went from Jewish territory into Phoenician territory. And the Phoenicians were, of course, pagans. They were the descendants of the Canaanites, the ancient enemies of Israel, and they worshipped gods like Baal and Asherah. Now, it appears that Jesus didn't intend to conduct a public ministry there. He wanted to keep his presence secret, uh, but he failed in that respect uh, because people came to hear about it. And in particular, we're told that this woman came to hear about it. Uh, The text here says she was a Greek. That's just a generic term meaning a non-Jew. We learn from Matthew's gospel that she was actually a Phoenician woman. And she came and begged him to heal her daughter. Now, Jesus had healed many people in his ministry to this point, and he had done so willingly. But on this occasion, something was different. Matthew tells us that initially he didn't respond in any way to the woman. Instead, in response to his disciples, he said that he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, to the Jews, in other words. And when the woman persisted, Mark tells us he said this, first let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Wow, That's quite strong. He's referring to the Jews as children, children of God, in other words. And he's referring to pagans as 
dogs. What, what was he saying? Was he suggesting that God's blessing is restricted to the Jews? Uh, what was going on? Well, I suggest you just hold those questions in your mind for the moment. We will return to them. Uh, but for the moment, let's just see what's happened next. Because you see, the woman wasn't put off. She pressed on. Verse 28. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She didn't dispute that Jesus's ministry was to the Jews, but she argued that she should thus benefit as well. And she showed utter faith in Jesus's mercy and in his power to heal. Furthermore, Matthew tells us that she called him the son of David. Now that's significant because it's a messianic title. In other words, this pagan woman had recognised something that the people of Nazareth, Jesus's hometown, uh, the uh, Herod and the Pharisees had all failed to grasp. Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Jesus was the long promised saviour. Now, we may doubt how much of that she really grasped, how well she grasped it. But nonetheless, the difference between Jesus's recent reception in Galilee and her response is very striking. And how did Jesus respond? Take a look at verse 29. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. But to be clear, Jesus isn't making some kind of clever answer. Touche. Clever answer. You win. I'll heal your daughter. Some kind of game. No. As Matthew makes clear, he was recognising this woman's deep faith and responding to it by doing what she desperately wanted. And so it is we read in verse 30 that she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now, in the light of what we heard Jesus say a few minutes ago, we may be tempted to believe that that is in some way a one-off, an exceptional response of Jesus to exceptional faith. But it wasn't. And in order to understand that, we need to look at what happened next. So let's do that. Jesus, we're told, left uh, Tyre and headed ultimately into the region of the Decapolis. Uh, that was uh, on the southwest corner, sorry, southeast corner of the Sea of Galilee. There were some Jews who lived there, but it was again a pagan area. And we hear that people brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and mute. And on this occasion, Jesus showed no reluctance in dealing with the issue. This is verse 33. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosed and he began to speak plainly. Now, that man may have been a Jew. However, this was a pagan area and Matthew tells us expressly what Mark only impl implies. 
Jesus did a lot of healing in that area. In other words, the healing of the Phoenician woman's daughter was not a one-off exception to the rule. Jesus was prepared to heal pagans. And how did the people respond? Verse 37. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And Matthew tells us that they praised the God of Israel. These pagans praised the one true God. They recognised what the people as Nazareth, what Herod, what the Pharisees did not recognise, that Jesus was doing the work of the God of Israel and they gave thanks on account of that. Now that takes us back to the questions I left hanging a few minutes ago. What was going on? Jesus had moved from Jewish Galilee to pagan Phoenicia and when he arrived declared that nonetheless his ministry he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel to the Jews. But no sooner had he said that than he began healing and indeed teaching pagans. In fact what we read about his ministry in the Decapolis suggests that it was indistinguishable from his ministry in uh, Galilee, in Jewish Galilee. In fact, when we look next week, we will see, at the passage next week, we will see that he effectively repeated the feeding of the 5,000 in pagan territory. So clearly, Jesus wasn't saying that he lacked compassion for non-Jews or that God's blessing is restricted to Jews. So what was he saying? In order to answer that, we need as so often to go to the Old Testament. You see, what that shows us is that most of God's self-revelation was to the ancient Israelites, the Jews in other words, and he blessed them in a number of unique ways. But the Old Testament also indicates that God's plan has always been at some point in the future to extend that revelation and that blessing to all people. In addition, of course, the Old Testament indicates that God has been angry with his people for their rebellion against him. But nonetheless, it says that he will send his anointed saviour, his Messiah, in order to save his people from their sins. And of course, that Messiah, the Old Testament tells us, is to be sent to Israel, Israel, to the Israelites, to the Jews. He is to be their Messiah. But there are two things that need to be said about that. First of all, negatively, uh, the Bible indicates that the majority of the Jews, all but a remnant, would reject the Messiah. But conversely, it says that the Messiah will be a light to the Gentiles, to quote Isaiah, the one through whom God's revelation and his blessing will be extended to the whole world. Now, consider what Jesus did in the light of that. As Jesus is teaching and especially his actions demonstrated, he was the long promised Messiah. 
as the Phoenician woman recognized he was the son of David, the king of Israel, to use an equivalent phrase. He was sent to the Jews in order to offer them salvation. But as prophesied in the Old Testament, he was rejected by all but a few of his people. And he recognised that rejection. When he was rejected in Nazareth, he said this. Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Elijah and Elisha had lived 900 years earlier, but what happened through them was a foreshadowing of what was to come. And it was a sign of judgment, God's judgment on Israel's unbelief. And having said that when he was rejected in Nazareth, Jesus then left Galilee and went to exactly the same region as Elijah had been in when he raised the widow's son all those years earlier. And while he was there, Jesus healed a Phoenician woman's daughter. I very much doubt that anyone who heard what Jesus said in Nazareth could have failed to get the point. Jesus's actions were a sign of judgment. The Pharisees uh, believed that they were above other people. They would have regarded the Phoenician woman as unclean. They would have probably regarded the people of the Decapolis in the same way. Yet as Jesus had indicated to them when speaking to them, it was they who were unclean. They were rejecting God's anointed saviour. So what Jesus did was a sign of judgment, but it was also a sign that he was the light of the Gentiles. On a number of occasions when speaking privately to his disciples, Jesus looked forward to the time when the gospel would be proclaimed to all nations. And his actions that we've been looking at today and which we'll continue to look at next week pointed forward, one might always say inaugurated, the time when God's blessing would be extended to all people, when the distinction between Jew and Gentile would no longer exist. The Phoenician woman rightly acknowledged that salvation is from the Jews, uh, to use an expression that Jesus used when speaking to a Samaritan woman on another occasion. She also rightly recognised that at that time, uh, her position before Jesus was different from that of the Jews. Nonetheless, she had great faith and believed that she would benefit from, as it were, the Jewish leftovers. In that respect, she greatly underestimated God's plans, because as Jesus's actions indicated, God planned not to provide merely the scraps to the rest of the world, but full participation in his banquet.
It's good that we're looking at this today, because today is Pentecost Sunday, as Eddie said a few minutes ago. Jesus was sent to the Jews. His ministry was to the Jews. But before his ascension, he told his disciples that they were to go and make disciples of all nations. However, he told them that they were to stay in Jerusalem while they waited for power from on high, as he termed it. And shortly thereafter, at Pentecost, they received that power. They received the Holy Spirit. They received the power to go and witness to the world as Jesus had commanded. And that, of course, was signified by the fact that they spoke in a number of different languages. The time for the spreading of the gospel, the spreading of God's blessing to the whole world had arrived. So how should we react to all of that? Well, obviously, we need to remember that we are beneficiaries of what Jesus has done and also that we are the inheritors of the obligations that it implies. We can look back on Jesus's ministry in Galilee and the Decapolis and rejoice that it was the start of the extension of the kingdom of God to non-Jews like ourselves. And that's wonderful. But as we do that, we need to remember that it imposes on us an obligation, an obligation to respond. First of all, and most obviously, we need to make sure we respond not in the way that the people of Nazareth did, nor the way of Herod, nor the way of the religious leaders like the Pharisees, but rather in the way of the Phoenician woman, showing that we understand the significance of Jesus and that we put our faith in him. And then having done that, we need to recognise that we are the inheritors of the obligation to go and make disciples of all nations. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you that you have reached out to us. Thank you that Jesus is a light to the Gentiles and that you have sent your spirit to equip us to tell the world about him. Please help us to respond in faith expressed in service. Amen. <laughs>